Good to see y'all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. This is going to be a very familiar story. This is going to be a very, uh, very simplistic uh, sermon probably today. Uh, Luke, the 10th chapter. We'll be begin reading, well, we're going to begin in verse 25. I'm going to begin reading in verse 29. But we got to back up to kind of get get what what happens in the other verses. So so you're following along, y'all. There, amen? amen. Look at verse twenty-five. It says a certain. I'm going to kind of paraphrase. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up trying to tempt Jesus, and uh, he asked him a question: What shall I do to inherit the eternal life? And Jesus answered, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now that is a very important uh, verse of Scripture in the Bible, especially when you get to that last little statement that says, To love thy neighbor as thyself. Because that's kind of difficult, isn't it, sometimes? It, it, you know, sometimes we've got neighbors that are just not too neighborly. We've got neighbors that uh, are just kind of cantankerous and hard to get along with. But look, that's, that's what God says because uh, this lawyer says that in verse 28, and Jesus says, Thou hast answered right this do, and thy shalt live. Now, with that in mind, look in verse 29. But he referring back to that certain lawyer that we see in verse 25, willing to justify himself or wanting to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He asked Jesus a, a question. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. That word thieves is robbers which stripped him of his raiment, or his clothing, and wounded him, and departed him, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, or bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, or the next day, when he departed, he took out two pence, or two denarii, and gave them to the host or the innkeeper and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, referring to that certain lawyer again, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. Now, keep your Bibles open. 
right there. Let me visit with you today about I'm down, will you help me get up? I'm down, will you help me get up? Now I want to begin today by asking you a question. And that question is, do you ever think about how your life could parallel the unfortunate destiny of this man that we just read about in this particular scripture. This man that was robbed, that was beat up, that was left half dead. Now, if I were to speculate, and I think if each one of us was honest with ourselves, uh, probably we would admit, we would have to acknowledge, we would have to confess and raise our hand and say, yeah, at one point in my life, and I'm not saying it was yesterday, but maybe it was 10 years ago or 30 years ago or whenever it was, I was on that very same path. I was on the brink of falling into the same snare, the same trap, the same trick as this man. It very easily could have been me. It should have been me. And maybe, in fact, in some instances, it was you. But as I cruise the neighborhood of this particular scripture, you notice our text concentrates, and we've got four characters in this story. Four people to make up the narrative of the story. We find this man that is in trouble. We find there is a priest that is running late. We find that there is a Levite that seems not to care. And then we see there is a Samaritan who does care. Now, in this parable, Jesus is using this, teaching us, showing us that God is a God that not only requires us, but also teaches us, mandates us to love and have kind-heartedness toward one another regardless if we know them or not. Now, I know what you're probably sitting there thinking. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, preacher, you don't know some of the people that I know. I just know some people that are pretty doggone hard to show loving kindness towards. But you look at this scripture, what does this tell us? What is Jesus telling us? You know, this is not just something you, you read and just blow by and go, well, that may apply to certain people, but there are certain ones that it, it, it doesn't. So as we investigate this parable, Jesus says a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell. Did you catch that when, when we read that scripture? It says he fell. Now, when I first read this story, this, this outline, this parable, whatever you want to call it, I thought this that, that, that this man was a victim who was, was out taking a stroll and just enjoying the day and not giving a big lot de duty die about anything and just enjoying himself. And as he was passing through the neighborhood, you know, I thought, well, this man was a target. 
this, this, this man had a mark, you know, had been set up as a mark that was, was, was scoped out. He was set up. He was looked upon as an easy target just right for the pickings. But that's not the case. As I read this story and, and I reread this story over again, the story this man, uh, this, 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 this man knew he was cognizant, if, if you will, of his surrounding and, 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 and those who, whom he encountered. In other words, I'm saying he knew the individuals that jumped him, that turned on him, that, that assaulted him. He knew these people that abused him and left him for dead or half dead. Now, that's a sermon in itself. They left me for dead, but, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Now, some people will wonder why is it that the people who we think are our friends, thought are our friends, all of a sudden turn on me. Why have these people that I thought were, were okay all of a sudden have turned on me and become mortal enemies. Well, let me tell you something. Those people that you thought were your friends that were so nice, so kind, they didn't just all of a sudden change. They just stopped pretending. They stopped pretending to like you. They stopped pretending to care about you. They stopped pretending to be your friend and they showed you their true colors. They, they showed you who they really are, who they really were from the beginning. They were a ravaging wolf in sheep's clothing. So let's look again. It says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. Now, Jesus suggests in this parable that this man was not a thief himself. He, he goes as far as suggesting that the experience of being with people of such low character was due to this man. But listen again. It says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and, and, and fell. Now, let me interject something here. It's been my experience that one cannot fall into something that one is already doing. Have you ever thought about that? How do you fall into something that you're already doing? Now I'm going to let that soak in. Because I see a lot of puzzled looks on a lot of people's faces. But how do you fall into something that you're already doing? You didn't just fall into a drug house. You were participating. You didn't just fall into the gambling house. You showed up there trying to hit a little joke. The scripture said that he went down to Jericho and fell among thieves. Now, I was wondering, how is it that some people that I know, that I have met, they may look good, they might act good, 
You know, they, they might even talk good, but after you get to know them for just a little bit, you would find out that their hearts are kind of like a city dump. Have you ever been around someone like that? Have you ever been around someone that you thought, man, that, that's kind of an interesting person, and the longer you hang around them, they just become eternal. You're kind of questioning their integrity, their character. And you find out that maybe they're not just quite as good as you thought they were. Now watch me now because I'm going somewhere with this. Listen, I, I wonder how it is that people that are so-called going to churches, if you will... Bible-believing, Bible-toting, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-talking, toe-tapping, hip-slapping, hand-clapping, foot-patting Christians become so hateful. And it's just like they do it with a snap of their finger. Could it be that they fell in to something they didn't need to fall into? You know, how did they become so hateful? How did they become so mean? How did they become a liar or whatever the case may be? And it's amazing to me. Maybe they've got the gift of tongues and they can speak to God in tongues but they can't look me in the eye and speak plain English. Is it maybe because they fell? I mean just lie all the time and, and, and we call ourselves their friend and yet, we won't even tell them to their face that they're lying. Now, I want you to think about this. I wonder how it is that some people who go to church are good people. We know that they would help in the church in any capacity that we ask them about. You know, wherever they're needed, but they're such a troublemaker. They're such a hell raiser. They wasn't raised like that, but maybe just perhaps they fell in with someone that was like that. You know, originally they were good people, but they fell in with the wrong crowd and that turned them into a hellraiser because that's what they're hanging out with. How many of you remember the old adage, birds of a feather flock together? In other words, people can influence us very easily and we don't even realize what's going on. That it is transpiring in our lives. Pastor, God, God knows I, I, I don't mean to get on that telephone every time I'm on it and go to gossiping, but it just seems like every time I get on that telephone, I just can't help myself. I wind up gossiping about somebody. You didn't fall into that. You were already doing that. I try to stay away from them married men, but I go down to that club, that red rooster, and it seems like wherever time I try to distance myself from something, I fall in among them. 
Listen to me. This man is not in the area of his home base. He has connected with some unseemly, uncouth, uncivilized, crude characters imaginably thinking that he was going to have a good time hanging out with them. That's what he thought. This man made a conscious decision that he would hang out with some people that were of suspicious oddity, that were of a twisted character. He was hanging out with people that the neighbor kept an eye on. He was hanging out with people that the police were building a case against. He was hanging out with thieves and robbers and outlaws and crooks and thugs and hooligans and I could go on and on and on and the choice that he made almost cost him his life. Why? Because the thieves turned on him because there is no honor among thieves. Have you ever heard the saying a leopard never changes his spots? Well, let me tell you something. A thief is hard to change. They're a lot like a moose. Have you ever seen a domesticated moose? Now be honest with me. Have you ever seen a domesticated moose? Boy, that's a loaded question. I was just waiting for somebody to nod your head. Yes. You know why you haven't seen one? They ain't none. Did you know that? Listen to me. I'm going to give you a little, little history. Now, it is said that there was an attempt to domesticate moose years ago. Historians know this. And it included King Carl XI of Sweden. He wanted to ride an animal that was more ferocious than a horse and would put fear in all of his enemies. So he decided that a moose was the animal. You can already guess where this is going, can't you? The moose was just too dangerous. He could not be approached. And whether you believe this or not, to this day in Russia, they are still trying to domesticate a moose. But here's the problem. Moose may be approachable. But they're very untrustworthy. You know, they will come near you. But the thing about it is, when they come near you, they're looking to hurt you. They can't be trusted. You know, they're willing to attack anything, anyone they see. They can't help it. Why? Because it's their nature. I tell you that to say this. A thief is no different. It's their nature to steal. And they don't care what they have to do. They don't care who they have to hurt. They don't care what they have to do to get what they want. He fell among thieves. Now I'm confused when I read this story and it's talking about these robbers and thieves and all of this. How much of this did this man see and he just could not get it? 
You remember what I told you all ago about when you hang around somebody for a little while and it seems like they don't turn out to be what you thought they were going to be? What part of thieving and robbery did this dude not get? Is my question. You know, this, this man didn't understand this. And you know why? Because he had befriended these men, he thought that he could trust them. He truly believed, oh no, they're not going to do nothing to me. They're not going to hurt me. But he, I'm here to tell you folks that, 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 that they will turn on you that quickly. And that's what happened to him. When we look at the story here and look, notice that there were some other characters in this narrative besides this one guy that got beat up and all of his clothes taken off and left for dead. And it blows me away because the Bible specifically says there was a priest and a Levi. Did you get that? Did you see that in your story? You know what that tells me? The churchgoers were there. Watch out. Watch out. The church folk. And Jesus selected these two men to pass by this injured man. I believe that Jesus chose this story to show us that familiarity breeds contempt. In other words, this Levite and this priest, the church people, knew the man that was in trouble. They knew the man that was in trouble and that he was lying in the ditch. And they most likely had tried to minister to this man at some time before. And they probably said, well, I tried to tell him. How many times have you heard that? Well, I tried to tell you and you just wouldn't listen to me. He should have made a better choice. In other words, they knew this man had made a bad decision to befriend the people that he had. Befriend these devils. And they probably tried to warn him about him, telling him, this ain't where you want to be. You don't want no part of these guys. You need to get away from them and stay away from them. The moral of this story is when you hang out with the devil, guess what you're going to do? You're going to do devilish things. Therefore, when they saw him lying there in that ditch, beat up, they probably said, I told you so. With a judgmental attitude. Now I want to ask you a question. Put your feet in the moccasins of those Indians. What would you have done? There they were. Right there. They left him right where he was. They probably said he chose to hang out with the devil, so it's his own fault. 
Oh, we're so quick to say that nowadays. Well, you got yourself into it, old boy. Let's see you get out of this one. You know, and many of us, just like this man, we have to dance with the devil. We have to sleep with the enemy just to see and find out that he's not playing because we don't listen to the voice of reason. We don't listen to the voice of experience. It seems like we have to learn lessons sometimes the hard way. Many times it can be disastrous. It can be devastating. Some have even lost their lives. So we talked about the Levite. Now what about the priest? There was the priest who placed his religious work and ceremony services before the well-being of this man. Notice that this man, he professes to be a religionist and he did not even make a move toward the man that needed help. He just says that he just passed by on the other side of the road. Which means he rushed away. This priest was probably trying to get to his religious duties. His evening duties. This was a trip of a day's journey and he would have to rush to make it. And the priest knew that he couldn't stop and help or he was going to be, be late, you know, and he wouldn't be on time for his paid duties. Also, he knew that there was a religious rule that if you touched a dead man, you was considered unclean for seven days after touching someone, and that could cause you for to lose your turn of duty at the temple. So he didn't want anything to do with it. He wasn't about to sacrifice those privileges for this man that needed help. And my question is, now we're talking about the two churchgoers here. My question is, how many people do we pass on a daily basis that need help? And we're afraid to help. You know, you used to, if you saw somebody walking down the side of the road, you didn't hesitate to pick them up. Now we're scared to death of it, aren't we? I can't blame you for that. I'm the same one. But I want you to look at the big picture here, folks. I don't want you to just look at this from a physical perspective or a mental perspective. I want you to look at this from a spiritual perspective. How many people do we come in contact with that we know need spiritual help and yet we pass right on by? We walk on the other side of the road. You know, this Levite placed his safety before empathy. Maybe he did walk over and was touched enough to walk over and 
look at the man, but he didn't help. How many times do we see people in need and we don't want to help? You know, we'll be nosy about what's going on in somebody's life, but that's it. We may complain about what somebody's doing and saying they need help, but that's it. We might make our accusations. Well, they ought to have thought about it before they got into it. But that's it. We don't help. Some are lookers, but they'll leave you for dead. But then there was this one man in this story, this good Samaritan. Of all the ones that passed by this man that could have helped, the one that is least likely that, that to be involved, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute, is the one that cared. He placed concern before everything else. He sees this man is injured. He's concerned. But he also sees that this man that is injured is a Jew. Now I want you to think about this. Even though we have a Samaritan and a Jew, the Samaritan didn't care. All he saw was a man that needed help. So he decided he was going to do what it took to help this man. If it meant miss work, he was going to miss work. What's the Bible say? The Bible says, checked him out. He bound his wounds. He powered oil and wine in there. He gave him a ride on his very own animal while he walked. He gave up his own comfort so another one could be comfortable. He nursed him, provided room and board for him. And he even saw to it that after he left that this man was cared for. And it's so amazing about this is that he stops to help someone that he knows doesn't care for him whatsoever. You see, Jews didn't like Samaritans because the Jews cursed the Samaritans. But regardless of how he felt, he saw a human being that was in need and he was motivated by concern, by compassion, by consideration for him. So he did all this stuff for him. And you notice it says that he gave the innkeeper two denarii, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of between 24 and 48 days of room and board, which is a great um, amount of money to give someone, to help someone that would look you in the eye and didn't care about you one bit. And even when he left, 
He told the innkeeper, he said, keep up with what it costs to take care of him when I come back again. I'll pay you for whatever I owe you. Now, let's get to the heart and soul of this. This is how Jesus wants us to respond. This is how the Master wants us to treat our neighbors. To love them. To watch out for them. To pray for them. To provide for them. To aid them. So I want to tell you a story. And with story, I'm going to wind this up today. This is a story, and maybe you've heard this before, about a man that liked to walk down the street, and as he walked down the street, he liked to read his newspaper. Well, one day he was walking down the street reading his newspaper, and he fell into a hole. And he couldn't get out. And he could see people passing by up there, and every time somebody would pass by, he would yell and ask for help. Well, the first man that finally stopped to lend him a hand was a rich man. And this rich man decided, well, I've got lots of money, so I can help this guy out. So he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out a $50 bill, walks over to the hole, and throws that $50 bill in there and says, buy yourself a ladder. That didn't get the man out of the hole, did it? Well, the next man that comes along is a Christian. And he thinks to himself, well, I'm God-fearing man. I'm a Christian man. I can help this man out. So he walks over to the hole and he prays for the man about him getting out of the hole. And he says, well, I'll see you in church. And turns and walks away. Does that get the man out? No. So then his friend George walks by. And he hollers at George and he says, George, is that you? Yeah, Billy, it's me. What's the matter? He said, well, obviously you can see I'm down here in this hole. I'm kind of stuck. Can you help me out? He said, sure I can. Well, get me out of here. Well, his friend just jumps down in the hole with him. He goes, why did you do that for? He said, now we're both stuck in here. How are we going to get out of here? And his friend looks at him and says, I've been here before. I know the way out. Now you think. How many times do we cross paths with somebody that needs help that we don't give the help we need but yet we know the way out Jesus is our way out Jesus wants to help us but we see in this little narrative in this little story that we need to be helping people that we know is in need.
some way, somehow. Not just simply walking by on the other side of the road. Let us pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we just thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to hear your word, to sing praises to you, Father. I thank you for these folks that are here today. Bless each one of them, Father. Continue to watch over us, Father. Guide us and direct us in this very challenging time in which we live. Father, I ask that you keep this simple little story on our heart. That we'll be willing to lend that helping hand whenever, wherever we can to help that neighbor like we would help ourselves. So, Father, as we leave this place, just watch over us and care for us. Father, forgive us where we failed. Bless us with rain, Father, in your time, in your will. Be with the folks that are not with us, Father. I pray they're safe. And I pray, Father, for all the folks that's on our prayer list. I just lift each one of them up to you in a special way. I pray that your spirit moves to that need that, that, that is there, the need that needs to be met. Thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.